0: Welcome back to Everything You Need Is Within, the archive series, hosted by me, Gigi Robinson. I'm so excited to bring a mental health expert into the chat today. She is absolutely incredible. Cannot wait for all of you to meet her. She is the founder of Sadie Baddies here on Instagram. Priscilla will be up here in just a few moments, and I cannot wait for you to all hear her. Hi! Hi! Hi, Gigi. How are you? I'm doing so well, more importantly. How are you? Thank you so much for making the time to come onto the show today. Of course. I'm so glad we got to connect. Me too. I found you through this Nike ad, which I absolutely want to go into that in just a bit, but for now, please introduce yourself, tell our audience, whoever's here and whoever's going to be watching the replay, a little bit about your background and how you got started in the mental health space.
1: Sure. So my name is Priscilla Adjiman. For anyone joining, welcome. Uh, thank you for being here. I am a mental health activist. I'm a digital content creator, and I'm the founder and creator of Fatty Baddies, which is a virtual sanctuary designed for people of color to Come together in community and destigmatize mental health because as we know it is very stigmatized um and provide resources information event programming workshops so all of that um is a big part of sati baddies and also collaborating and connecting with like-minded people and organizations and brands such as yourself so thank you for having me of course that is so
0: incredible and you mentioned sati baddies briefly but let's let's go deeper what really inspired you to do there? And how have you kind of cultivated this amazing community that's not only a community, but it's also a resource hub?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I had my own journey, and I'm still on this journey, it doesn't end. Um, And I'm pretty open about, you know, my ebb and flow of my mental health journey, but it started primarily in college. And I struggled with my mental health a lot in college. I say that that was kind of the peak of me realizing that I needed help was because I was putting so much pressure on myself um, to perform, to excel, to juggle all of these things at once. Um, And it was really, really stressful for me. So I started to Try to find ways to, you know, release all of that stress and also start to learn more about emotional health. That's a big part of Sadie Baddies is learning about the range of emotions and understanding our emotions and naming them and holding space for them. I think a lot of people resonate with that because we're always taught to, like, let things just sit on the surface and, you know, not touch it or just repress it and have it really deep where we don't even want to talk about it, right? So having that balance of talking about your feelings, but also knowing where they come from. Um, And yeah, I started going to therapy about four years ago. I love therapy. (laughs) Yeah, it's so important to me. Um, It's an amazing resource, and every single person deserves therapy. Um, Everybody, it's so, so important. It's such an amazing and helpful resource. And, um, you know, in order for people to have access to that, they need to first know what they're feeling, and then also be comfortable asking for help. So that's how, little, little backstory about how Sadie baddies came about.
0: I love that. And, you know, a lot of my audience is Gen Zers and people yeah. going into college. I just graduated with undergrad. I'm in my master's now. And, oh, congrats. Um, thank you so much. But I think the, the most incredible thing that you really acknowledged and addressed here is that a lot of people start to struggle and realize and acknowledge that they have issues with their mental health or that they're even struggling in the first place in college. And I feel like a big part of that is also because burnout is so normalized. I was thinking so much about this over the past couple of days. It's like these major institutions don't give a crap about any of our mental health, all they're doing is pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing us down, 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 and expecting us to over deliver when it's far more than we were even capable exactly. of. Exactly. And on top That's of that, so true. in a way, it's preparing us for this reality of what working a corporate job may be. It's almost Dave. like they want us to get desensitized to being burnt out. So um, I, I just really appreciate that you acknowledge yeah. that. What would you say to anybody who's in college who maybe is not really sure about evaluating their mental health or where to even yeah. start to look um, to, to do that inner yeah. work?
1: That's so important. I think everything you said was so on point because you're right. It is, con- You know, the college to corporate yeah. pipeline is so ingrained in us that when if we step away from that, it's like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know what I mean? So right. I think that um, I think the fact that so many of us think that burnout is normal and that it's just it's normal. Oh, you're supposed to feel so fatigued and so tired and mentally drained that you can't you know, function. Your yeah. your eating habits are off. Your sleeping habits are off. Your relationships feel you know, you don't have space for them. You don't have time for them. That's not normal. That's not healthy. You know, um, so yeah, definitely rejecting burnout culture by all means and learning how to use rest as a form of resistance is so important. I think specifically for college students because, again, it is super normal for college students to feel burnt out and for college students to feel like. Oh, I pulled an all-nighter. I remember I used to be like that, like, oh, yeah, I didn't sleep. You know, I was a STEM major, so I thought it was very normal for me to, like, go days and days without, like, having proper rest or eating a proper meal or just eating, like, living off of Hot Cheetos, you know, like, just thinking that that's normal. And, you know, your body breaks down. And when you're starting college, you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, right? So you're super young, but you don't realize that you're setting the tone for how you're treating your body and your, and your mental health then you know it takes years to kind of get out of that programming so um, I think for college students if you have the ability the access and the resource and the time to actually take care of yourself have a schedule make just the same way you have a class schedule put self-care days in there you know have at least one one block of time where you can actually decompress and it doesn't have to be I'm going to sit down and do meditation. You can go for a run. You can go shopping with your friends. You can call, you know, a loved one. You can journal, whatever it is. Like just having that time to decompress is essential, especially, I mean, we're in a pandemic still very much so. Um, I know it's gotten better in in some areas and, and for some people, but we're still in a pandemic. So that added stress level to school and life is so important. So,
0: Yeah. All absolutely incredible points and it's really been on my mind as well uh, because I've struggled with chronic illness and on top of being under this immense pressure of being an undergrad, being on an e-board of something, being like, like you said, oh yeah, I didn't get sleep. I slept for two hours and I wrote a 12 page paper and all I drank was coffee. I haven't eaten since two days ago. Like we need to take a a moment to really say like, okay, we were programming ourselves that high levels of stress means low levels of nurturing and like mm-hmm. you're saying with this programming we almost have to rewire ourselves to take yeah. care of ourselves and it is a hard moment it's a wake up call for me i had to take a medically reduced course load because right. i was so burnt out to the point where my chronic illness was flaring, flaring. and i could yeah. i i literally could not function i also right. was like not eating and it was this whole really complicated thing that i had to go through but yeah I did go to therapy. I went to three separate therapists, all in different realms. And I am also a huge advocate of, you know, physical therapy for my condition. That's what I need. But at the same time, it's a time where I can spend 45 minutes in the pool or doing floor exercises that are super low impact that I know will make me feel better later. And I can also not think about any of the stress of school going on. Um, Then I did psychotherapy and occupational therapy which was actually centered around lifestyle redesign. And if you don't know anything about that, I would highly recommend checking Mm -hmm. out some lifestyle redesign because it will help you in terms of building out kind of this self-motivating schedule where Mm. you you put self-care and yourself at the forefront, Mm. which enables you to function better. So I really just... Thank you so much for acknowledging all of that. And I wanted to kind of dive deeper into your role mm-hmm. as an MPH and for those of you watching that may not know what that is, um, just you know, explain your role yeah. and also a lot about the relationship that you've kind of observed between mental health and social media.
1: Mm. Yeah, sure. So um, I got my MPH, which is my my Master's of Public Health in uh, 2019, so two years ago. Incredible. And I received that at um, Mount Sinai, Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai here in New York. And um, public health, for anyone that's not familiar, public health is... um, extremely important as we can see (laughs) within the past year I see how important public health is but essentially it's the the study the understanding and the practice of under of really having a holistic point of view when it comes to the healthcare Mm -hmm. system and looking at it from a wide-eyed lens right so you're not just looking at someone's medical history like you know Um, if they have high blood pressure or if they have hypertension or diabetes, that's not just what makes someone healthy. You're looking at what's also called the social determinants of health. So that is somebody's income. It's whether they live in a high crime area, it's Mm -hmm. race, it's racism, it's, um, you know, financial stability. It's, it's essentially all of the components that make somebody healthy and able to thrive and have a better quality of life and addressing those by using biostatistics, epidemiology and other really important studies in the School of Public Health and the focus of public health um, and addressing those needs. So whether it's from a community based standpoint where you have community health centers and clinics that kind of fill in the gaps of our, our healthcare system here in the States or on a larger scale where we have, you know. For example, the CDC and the World Health Organization. So that's kind of public health in a nutshell. I am really glad I actually pursued my MPH because it's really shaped the way that I look at everything. Truly, I don't, you know, I live in New York. I live in a in a really populated, super diverse um, city. And, you know, there's a lot of examples of public health crisis whenever you step foot on the train or, you know, if you see in specific areas of New York, there is a larger homeless um, or housing insecure Mm -hmm. um, areas in in some neighborhoods in New York versus others, you know? So how does that affect the overall wellness or quality of life for people in those areas as well? Like, you know, in the South Bronx, there's very, very high rates of asthma. Mm -hmm. And that's largely because it's right around a lot of pollution. So a lot of kids growing up in inner city areas have more um, asthma rates than people that are in the Midwest or people in other countries even. So um, using data points that can actually solidify what we know um, already and kind of can observe like, oh, how come you know, this population, this group of people seem to have these predisposed condition. Those predisposed conditions are always rooted in something else. And a lot of times it is systemic and it's structural. So. Um, yeah. So giving into that. And I think when it comes to mental health and social media, I think honestly, as a content creator, there are so many times I want to log off and I just want to be like, peace out. Like I don't, you know, want to, I want to take breaks from social media. It's hard when that's part of your role and it's mm-hmm. part of your responsibility or if it's your job full-time, right? Yeah. Um, so ma- managing your mental health with social media is so important because I feel like we have made it a part of our lives so much so that people are actually measuring themselves through the the lens of social media right so it 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 used to be something that was fun you know just something to to use to connect with your friends but now is how we're judging people like when you meet someone one of the first things they'll ask is what's your instagram not even like What's your name? Yeah. Where are you from? Where do you live? What do you like True. to do? What are your interests? What's your Instagram, right? It's it's a, an identifier. It's a social, almost like a social biomarker in a way. Like, what is your social media uh, presence? Yeah. And I think that translates a lot of times to like, what is, you know, social currency is real, Um, If you have a certain amount of followers, you have certain opportunities that other people don't have. And even something as simple as a swipe up link, you know, that that ease and that access of getting people to talking directly to people and talking directly to your audience or your community um but you need to have a certain amount of followers to do that right so we're building this like weird social currency where people are starting to feel insecure and they're starting to feel doubtful about themselves and their self-esteem and honestly more than half the time it's like get off instagram for like a week and you i almost guarantee you will feel better like i taking social media breaks. I think yeah. that's so essential because it really will mess up with your head. It'll make you start feeling um, inferior and less than. And, you know, it's it's literally, it's an app, but that it's taken over our lives.
0: Yeah, so. 100%. Thank you so much for all of that. And your background is just incredible. And I, it, Thank you. I, I think a lot of times people overlook those things when it comes to public health. And it's just like, oh, it has to do with exclusively pollution, but it's like, no, it has to do with everything in your surroundings and also how you can yeah. function in it. And since we have technology at the forefront of every single day, um, for the most part, yeah. I, I'm also here in New York. So, um, okay. I, I resonate with you on that. And you know, I mean, yeah. buses now have ports for us to charge our phones, which is like more right. of an incentive to be on our phone. Right. There's chargers all over the city and, basically anywhere you go you can charge yep. your phone so that you can stay connected and stay locked into the technology and I I don't know about you but since I do it full time I found this really interesting relationship where I kind of compartmentalize my life mm. on social media so I'm able to like go on it, post, answer a couple messages yep. and throw the phone away and go focus on doing photography, having conversations yeah. with people. Outside of that, it's still locked into my technology, yeah. but it's it's become less about how can I make my self-worth um, or how can I equate my self-worth to something other than social media. Right. And that's what I would yeah. implore anybody watching to really do and say like, oh, do I do I compare myself to other people on social media and how is that affecting me? Um, In the past year, I really started looking at this concept of social media literacy and how we emotionally and cognitively process Mm -hmm. the things that we see. And it came up for a number of reasons. The first was a lot of the videos of all of these horrific and unjust murders of minorities across Mm -hmm. the country have been so jarring. Um, I could not imagine if that was somebody I knew or someone in my family. Something I learned in a workshop that I was doing a couple of weeks ago with Yahoo and their allyship program Mm -hmm. was really deconstructing this idea of like that person's death is going to be circulated and that's 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 become something we're now desensitized to we're like yeah. not really like it, it's horrific to watch but it's not something that we're really I don't I don't know how to I don't really know how processing. to say yeah, yeah. We're, we're not processing it because it's happening so constantly it's the same thing yeah. with mass shootings it's like every other week or something right. there's another one right. and, like, how would you point somebody who is either not aware of that to, yeah. to really kind of make sure that they're addressing how they feel around these moments and how yeah. they can protect themselves and their mental health? Because mm. it's it's so much.
1: Yeah. It's so everything you're saying, you know, resonates deeply with me. I did a topic on vicarious trauma. Um, specifically, vicarious trauma for black people Mm -hmm. is something that we have to deal with every single day, you know, every single day. Um, we literally at this time last year were collectively watching George Floyd be murdered Mm -hmm. on video. Right. I have never seen the entire video and I never will watch the entire video. And that is because I have a visceral response to violence that I actually think helps me to not be desensitized to violence, especially when it comes to Black people and Black bodies. Um, The more that you watch and consume something, as violent or as uncomfortable or jarring uh, or disturbing as it is, but the more and more and more you do it, the less it is a trigger, right? That's how our brains work. Like, the less you're going to react to it the same way you did when you first saw it. Right. I don't ever want anyone to be desensitized to violence, Mm -hmm. ever. You know, I think that I do think I'm a very sensitive person. You know, I'm a feeler. I have a lot of Scorpio placements. Like, I'm a lot of water, okay? But I, I do not like, I do not I cannot um, consume violent material at all. Right. I really can't. And I think especially when it comes to when, it, when you are a minority or you are a marginalized group, remembering that your body is sacred. You know, your life is sacred. Yeah. Nobody, sh- nobody should ever take your life away, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. And especially because these videos are played on a loop, People think that it's okay to share that as a form of activism. Right. And let me just be clear and say that showing that material over and over again, especially if you are not part of that group and if you're not doing anything about it is not activism. Right. And it's also not a way to be in solidarity with your marginalized friends. So if there is something that is occurring that is violent and that we you know, we should be aware of, ask that person first, hey, this is sensitive material, do you mind if I still share this with you? Or put a trigger warning on your Instagram story. I'm going to share a violent video, please click out of this is having that consideration, that censorship of not even censorship, but the consideration and the compassion that this is going to offend other people, this is going to make someone feel hurt, it's going to make them triggered, you know, so I think compassion is so important here because if you are comfortable sharing material like that with no type of filter and you think that that's a form of um, activism, it's not, it's actually not, you know, it's triggering. It's, you know, I, I still... I have flashbacks of like seeing clips of videos and I have I have trigger warning and and sensitivity um, Filters on all my social media. So on Instagram on Twitter everything so before I I can't even really click through it until I change those settings, right? That's just how sensitive I am to violence and I don't I don't think people understand how damaging it is especially when displaying that type of violence is not coupled with any type of action whatsoever
0: right right and on top of that when people share it without any context or consideration or compassion it's just like i want to share this because it's so jarring and i'm so surprised by it in the moment you may be surprised but you're not thinking about the people exactly. that are looking at it. And that's the, the the whole discussion about social media literacy here is really about understanding how what you post affects other people. And this is yeah. a perfect example of that. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I, I, again, I just implore everybody to put these trigger warnings on and, yeah. and really ask yourself, how can I educate myself right. about the bigger problem, which is... Systemic injustice and racism in this country, and how can I implement? So <laughs> you said it. I mean,
1: that's a hundred percent.
0: And and that's yeah. the thing that I think so many people miss, and not only about specifically the the black community in the United States, but all marginalized communities. How we've seen the videos, also, or I, I've seen some videos um, that people have reshared of. Asian American hate crimes? How can I educate myself about the systemic bias against Asian people in the United States, Jewish people, Muslim people, disabled people, and how can I be the best ally to them? How can I be the most educated and how can I speak intelligently about that? And that is Mm -hmm. really the, the biggest thing that I see happening. Um, right now is just this super super performative activism where people don't even know what the heck they're talking about when they're sharing it or they're not sharing an opinion they're just sharing it because a major celebrity or influencer shared it but I mean that's a that's a whole other conversation And I know we're we're dwindling down on our 30 minutes here um but on the note of social media I also wanted to ask you kind of how you see social media being used as a tool versus letting social media use us and and i don't know if that that makes sense like kind of going into the algorithm how can we leverage social media to protect our mental health and our our sacred being as you mentioned um to really spark change instead of being performative and like letting the app use us
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, setting boundaries. So I have boundaries with my social media. Um, Some of them for me do come from more of a business standpoint because, for example, I have two Instagrams. I have my personal Instagram and then I have Sadie Baddies. So um, when I get DMs to my personal Instagram um, about Sadie Baddies, I always have to kind of like redirect people. Hey, like this is my personal Instagram. Please, you know, reach out to me via Sadie Baddies or email me at my, you know, I have my email available. So things like that, like I think setting those boundaries are important because otherwise, first of all, people think they have access to you 24-7 and they don't, mm. right? Like yes. we are human. We, we sleep, we shower, we eat, we do all of those, all of the things, right? So you cannot be available 24-7. Um, and then also using it as a full, a tool to develop community. I think that's what I i've done you know with study buddies but on my own i've met some really 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 amazing amazing humans uh, you know through through social media and have really built a support system that way as well um both on my personal and and in a business standpoint so i think using it as a tool using it um as a form of networking or as a form of connection and connecting to other people i think that is a really productive way to use it you know, and then also knowing that you don't have to share everything, you don't have to overshare, you don't have to put everything, you know, I personally want the one thing that I have um, made a decision to do for a while is to make sure that what I share is processed. And by that, like, you know, for example, if you're if you're baking something, you're cooking something, you want to serve it to people when it's not finished, Right. or if it's not completed, or if it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't been processed. So what I do in terms of like my thoughts, especially if it's something heavy, I really choose to leave that off of social media, unless I've processed it, I've, you know, Mm -hmm. talked about it out loud to a friend or a loved one, I've journaled about it, I've maybe went to therapy about it, I've healed from it, right? So these are all ways that you can process these things. But a lot of times I do see people kind of just like thought dumping on social media and then maybe even getting upset or feeling disappointed that people aren't responding mm-hmm. or not responding in the way that they need people to respond to them too, you know? And that's, that's disappointing because we're humans. We want that connection, but I really encourage people to find safer outlets because not everybody is going to be supportive and listening and, and try to be there for, Oh, do you need help? Or not everybody is going to do that, unfortunately. So having, having, um, you know, certain boundaries when it comes to communicating and what you do share on social media is so important. I think privacy is, you know, is so valuable because at the end of the day, nobody can um, invade or ruin or destroy um, what they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not talking about hiding your feelings or hiding your mental health or speaking up about social justice. Those, those are things I'm not talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about your personal day-to-day you know, issues that you're grappling with Mm -hmm. and and finding a safe way to have an outlet, you know, it could be virtual, but in real life as well, because doing the thought dump on a daily basis or constantly is almost a sure way to still feel isolated. Because if you're not being met with that support that you need, that's very, that's very um, hurtful. You know,
0: a hundred percent. I, I have a couple more things to say. You just, you're like so amazing. I, you're sparking all of these tangents in my mind. This is like one of my biggest problems that I'm working on. (laughs) Um, But on the note of not being intentional with what you're posting, that's the whole idea behind the work that I've been doing and how I think I've been able to kind of shift my mindset and save my mental health in a lot of ways because You know, on TikTok, I was in, I was kind of on early TikTok, early 2019, before a lot of, like, it was still the weird kids app that nobody wanted to be on, (laughs) and um, in the past year with the pandemic, I really Mm -hmm. started to see this shift in people equating their self-worth Or thinking badly about themselves because they saw an influencer post some video wearing barely anything and that influencer said, okay, here's what I eat in a day or here's my workout routine to get a six pack. And then a young child or even maybe a college student or a high school student may develop some kind of disordered eating habit Around that, and right. eating disorders are a significant impact on our mental health too. Absolutely, and yeah. That I mean, there's there's a ton of research. You, I talk about this often in a lot of my lectures. It is, it, it is a mental health it's, disorder. Yeah, it, it's really it is terrifying to see that yeah. comparison of self worth just plummet right. in relation right. to people carelessly posting here's what I eat in a day because they think people will love to see every single thing they eat. Yeah. And what people don't realize is how other people are consuming that and saying, yeah. I want to look like that. So now I'm yeah. only going to eat what they eat. Right. And that has just, that when I learned about that, I just, my jaw hit the floor, I I just I couldn't believe it, and I was like, yeah. I need to be dedicated to educating people about this and talking about disordered eating habits since I, since I dealt with that on my own. Okay, you're back. Phew.
1: Okay. Oh, so, did I go out for a second? Yeah,
0: it went out. Sometimes oh, this happens for okay. me in my episodes, and um, <laughs> it just quits, and I get really nervous. <laughs> um, but the, I'm here. I'm the, here. Amazing. The other thing that you mentioned was really about. Like using social media as if it's a business. And I saw this tweet this morning that was like, imagine Mm -hmm. social media worked the same, where that we closed out our accounts at 6 p.m. every single day and we stuck to it and we just went and connected with people in real life. Then he was, then he said that, and then there was like a bunch of space and he was like, ha ha ha, that would never happen in 2021. Yeah. And like, if you can maintain those boundaries with yourself, It should help you and your mental health um, to really find those connections. And at the forefront of what I do, I think that connection and conversation is what builds community and that's what leads to change. So I know that your community is a huge part of that. I cannot wait to just stay in touch with you and learn more from you and your community. I did have one last question before I let you go. Mm -hmm. The title of the show is everything you need is within. And I always like to ask my guests, what is something that you use to motivate you whenever you're having a lull or maybe even when you're really proud of yourself, what's kind of a mantra or a saying that you live by?
1: (sighs) Oh, that's a good one. I think I'll start with to, and what I do to uplift myself or pull myself up for if I'm in a funk or just like have not been feeling well mentally or physically, I allow myself to feel that and hold space for it. Like literally not instead of just saying, well, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. No, what is it that I'm feeling why am I feeling this way like do a little bit of digging and I do that through journaling and I do that a lot through therapy as well so for me it's really important to process my feelings and have a safe space for them so that's why journaling helps me because I'm not holding back anything and like obviously you know sometimes you look back and journal like damn I said that like I was must have been really mad and like and that's okay like that's okay to be angry like anger is not a bad emotion at all if, also talked about like anger and like those feelings um that are perceived as negative and they're they're truly just human emotions right um and then yeah I think in you know when I do accomplish things or I celebrate I am still learning how to celebrate my accomplishments honestly I think um you know when you are somebody that has had kind of a track record of being like a high-performing person whether it was academically or socially or whatever the case is you almost put yourself like at unrealistic expectations sometimes so much that you don't appreciate your accomplishments So I'm truly being honest I'm still learning how to really like celebrate and all my accomplishments and I do prefer to kind of celebrate them intimately with like yeah. you know my support system and my loved ones that celebrate me and you know, I know I can really, I know that it's like genuine, you know, as well. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, making sure that whatever you are um, celebrating, or or if you just had a really great accomplishment, you know, making sure that it's rooted in intention as well, right? Like winning an award or doing something, that's notable or or having um popularity those are mm-hmm. good things but also why like right. what is your why right you know and if, if if your accomplishment is in alignment with your why then I think that's beautiful that's golden but if it feels out of alignment sometimes that's where the guilt comes in and we're like mm, I don't I don't feel good about this like I should be happy but I don't and mm-hmm. maybe it's because you did this you know you got a new job because you wanted to get a better job than your friend, or. You know, you ended up in a relationship, but it was just to get over your last one, right? So, like, having intention about your accomplishments as well is super important, so. I
0: 100 yeah. million thousand percent <laughs> agree with that. Um, I I always talk about this in my lectures also in terms of, yeah. like, even the stats of kids now wanting to be an influencer. What's, yeah. wh- why? You want popularity why? because you think it's going to give you self-worth? no. Unless you do yeah. that inner work and you look inside and you say, "How can I feel this emotion? Why do I want to achieve something somebody else has when i 'm on my own path and on my own journey I think that 's you know golden and i 'm sure we could go on for hours and hours and hours yeah. together about yeah. <laughs> this, but this has just been so incredible, and i 'm so grateful that you were able to come on and really educate this community here about your background and about cultivating community and really just being a more intentional person with your yeah. mental health and with what you do on social media. So thank you so you much. too. Where can everybody thank find you. you? I'll tag you, uh, all of your handles and everything down below yes. in the comments, but tell everyone where they can find you.
1: Yes. You can follow study baddies right here. On Instagram, Sadie underscore baddies. Um... And we have a website as well, a blog, check out uh, recent features that we've done. Um, I have a lot of projects coming up this year for Sadie Baddies. I'm in actually a phase of kind of like transitioning, like some of the programming and like the events and things like that that I've been doing within the past two years. I'm kind of ready for a shift, so stay tuned. Amazing.
0: (laughs) I cannot wait to see everything that you've done. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Gigi. I can't wait to stay in touch
1: with you you too have a great great day have a great memorial day weekend
0: enjoy thanks so much for listening to everything you need is within the archive series i hope that you found value and i hope that you leave us a review or send us a message about what you thought of the show